And now with the focus on music videos, it has mostly something to do with music. But also what surprised me is there's some people that make really 17 minute videos with this. And it's not only music videos, it's like short stories. They put voice on top and then they have like these almost stop motion videos or something coming out of it. I absolutely did not expect that. Hello and welcome to the Imagine AI podcast. I'm your host, Chris Madden, and today we have a very special guest, Nico Klemke from Germany, who's built an amazing product called Neural Frames that is taking the AI video community by storm with all of the cool ways that you can create videos using stable diffusion and AI. Nico, how are you doing today? Pretty well, Chris. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And you're in Thailand right now, right? Yeah, <laughs> skipping, skipping the German winter at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I actually had Ole Lehman on and he was in Thailand too. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And cool. I used to live in Thailand like 10 years ago now. I was an oh, really? English teacher. I love Thailand and it's a very cool place to be. And I kind of want yeah. this conversation to be feel like we, you know, we met for the first time at a hostel and we we're like, you know, getting to know each other and like sharing the cool things that we're working on. So what's the cool thing you're working on, Nico? Yeah, so I'm building, or uh, let's say I'm the founder of Neuroframes. It's an AI music video generation platform. I started building it a bit more than one year ago, December 2022, where I was still in German winter and not in Thailand. And in my previous life, I did something very different. I was a physicist, actually, and was come from academia also. I did a PhD and did research and stuff, but then fell in love with programming and then stumbled upon this uh, new emerging technology where you can play tricks to stable diffusion, as you said already, um, to create these AI animations. And back when I played with them the first time, there was basically no tool available to have this tech easily accessible. And then I thought, this is my moment now. And I'm going to build a platform to make this easily accessible for the people. And so that kickstarted the journey of Neuroframes. And, and now we are more than 10,000 weekly active users. Um, very happy that it's still growing. People make music videos with it. And yeah, it's, it's exciting to be here. 10,000 weekly active users? Yeah. That's huge. That's, that's great. When did you first launch? First launch was in January 2023 basically. Uh, it was very small. Ago. It was the first yeah. first website I ever launched. So <laughs> like it was very amateur-like, but it already got some attention by them, some people uh, back then. Mm -hmm. And how did you choose Stable Diffusion or what does it take to build what you built? ChatGPT helped a lot, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so in the back end, there's Stable Diffusion, which is this open source uh, image generation AI. And we're using Stable Diffusion because it's just open source and we can play tricks with it. And then basically there's the GPU side, which does all the heavy lifting in terms of processing. And then there's the front end side, what, what the user sees, right? Neuroframes is kind of an interactive uh, interface where people can have a timeline. I guess we're gonna look at it later, uh, have a timeline and can play things interactively. So this component is also important. There's a lot of moving parts, to be honest, but that's very exciting also to build. Yeah. And so when you say that ChatGPT helped you, does that mean you were just like talking to ChatGPT and like asking it how to oh, create what was in your head, the idea? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I did know how to program before, but ChatGPT helped a lot. I never had to do with databases, with cloud infrastructure stuff, with a production <laughs> system in general. So 
Chesapeake really helped a lot in every step, to be honest. Holy cow. Wow. So that's really right. like the solopreneur, like Ole, who I just had on as well. <laughs> really, ChatGPT and AI can help one person do so much more. So how long were you a one-person team? And when did you have your first hire or your first freelancer? Do you have any co-founders? Uh, can you talk about that? No, no co-founder. It took about eight months, I guess or nine months to hire the first person. I mean, I had some freelancers here and there for, for certain tasks, but the first real hire was actually a customer support person in, I guess, September last year. So after nine months or so. So you got yeah. so many users that they had too many questions and problems and you needed yeah. to hire somebody to yeah, feed them all. In the beginning, it's great to get the direct feedback by users. And with every sign up, I was sending a Calendly link to the people so that they could talk to me because I was also curious what they were like lacking and, and missing and, and stuff like that. But then after a while, it, it gets a lot of like you wake up to 10 emails and uh, you don't have time to think about anything else, right? So I was very lucky to find a great great uh, customer support person actually directed to me by a user uh, of Neural Frames. She's doing a great job. And now we are, I think, depending on how you count, four to six people working on it. Also one developer now that supports me and I'm looking for more developers now. So cool. great. Yeah, it's a very special problem to have when you have like way more inbound than you can deal with and you know you need to get somebody else you know on the team yeah very cool that's an amazing journey so it's only been it's been a year you just had your year anniversary sounds like you got ten thousand weekly active users let's dive into the product so i asked you if you could uh you know i kind of do a product demo here for us i you should be able to share your screen Ooh, yeah okay and so i'm going to annotate a little bit for the listener that's not watching the youtube channel but First of all, I did want to comment on how freaking cool your mascot is, your logo, of the, the squirrel and the, you know, the purple aviator glasses and uh, suit. How did you get the idea for this squirrel with a pink jacket mascot? <laughs> It just kind of happened. Uh, actually, it was my girlfriend who brought it to me. I mean, I always liked squirrels already in kindergarten. Um, But, you know, with this tool, you need something, some visual content to demo every feature all the time, right? So it's really, actually, it's really useful to have a mascot and just decide on one. And Squirrel is cute, right? Squirrel is, everybody knows it, you see it all the time. Yeah, very detailed, like you need to have the, the details of all the fur and stuff shows off the power of the product. So, I mean, this is the basically the core unit of Neural Frames. It's the video editor. There's also some other bits of the app, but I think this is the most um, special and important one. Yeah, can you try to describe it to somebody that would not be seeing the screen right now? It looks a little bit like the like a video editing software, let's say Adobe Premiere or something like that. Exactly. So you have a timeline on the bottom of the screen. On the top left, you have some kind of inspector where you can input some settings or so, whatever. And on the top right, you have a preview window with the, with the images that you generate. On the timeline, basically, you can put uh, these elements. I call them boxes. And uh, you can drag them around to different times. You can delete them. You can add any settings you want. And what we do here is image generation in a, in a unique way to generate animations from the images. And so what we do is we have a prompt that generates the animations. And then we have all kinds of settings that uh, control the camera or the AI also. And there's a pro and an easy mode. Easy mode, you don't have so many settings. Uh, You can just select a flicker style and how much movement you want. But in pro mode, you can really steer the camera in three dimensions to at any given time in the clip in any direction you want, which is a very novel way of creating videos. And so right now you have like a base video, right? You have a squirrel in a chemistry lab. 
So actually, this one I created with newer frames. Uh, I hope uh, you will be able to hear the sound or so. Yeah, yeah, the squirrel's a chef there at the end. So can you explain the layers going on here? Exactly. So the first row is for the prompt input uh, for the camera motion, basically the direct input into the AI. And the second row is um, what we call modulation. So you can modulate any of these parameters here. For instance, let's say the zoom on some, either on an oscillator or on some properties of the audio. So the focus of NeuroFrames really is music video generation. You're able to upload a song and, and we're extracting parts of the song for you. For instance, the snare or the kick drum or the hi-hats. And you can use those stems to modulate certain parts of the video generation. Yeah. So for instance, here I have a modulation based on the snare that modulates the strength, which is an AI input parameter. What this does is on every snare kick, it fluctuates very rapidly the, the image generation. So it gets this audio reactive effect. And this is exactly what makes it very special. So you can now create audio reactive visuals very easily with text inputs. What's special about it really is, is as a musician, you need uh, visuals for all the songs you make. Yeah. So how can you reach people as a musician? You can go, you can play concerts or you can post on social media. And to post on social media, you need always visual content to go along with it, right? It's better be catchy to put it on TikTok or YouTube or where, wherever. But traditionally, it's very hard to create visual content because like either, either need to hire somebody to do it for you or you somehow need to be invest a lot of time and, and skill to do it. So what we're trying to build is really a simple interface to solve this problem. So you can control what you're creating with rather high fidelity and create these AI animations with audio reactive effects. Okay, so that's great. A few questions. So it's primarily for music creators and to create the video aspect of the music that they created. And they're uploading the music and then the creators putting in other images that they want to manipulate or is your product creating the visuals based on the prompt? Yeah, the latter. So, I mean, they can also upload images and start with them, but then we are creating all the images images uh, down the road, basically, for them. So they can select a starting image, maybe an album cover or something like that, and then have an animation based on that one. But a lot of times, so here I didn't start with a starting image. The starting image is just um, coming from this prompt. And can you read the prompt for us? Yeah, yeah, right. So this prompt is a self-confidence scientist squirrel with pink safety goggles standing in a lab doing experiments, chemistry, colorful liquids modern laboratory bubbles high-tech. And I would say the AI caught this uh, prompt pretty well. So it is definitely a screw with pink safety goggles <laughs> in, a, in a chemistry lab. Yeah, and that's stable diffusion then that's generating the prompt? Yeah, so this is a special model called Juggernaut XL, which we are um, happy to be able to use, although our users can can select lots of different AI models, the the one with the highest fidelity is this one, which is Juggernaut XL. Yeah, exactly. And cool. then then you can change the prompt at different times. So this is really cool, right? So you can put another prompt afterwards. And now this is a still a squirrel with pink safety goggles, but now constructing a clock Renaissance era steampunk, and suddenly <laughs> the the aesthetics is very different. So it's a, also a new kind of storytelling because you tell a story by first putting one prompt, then the next one, then the ne next one. And you get these flickery, trippy animations, but 
they're evolving in a way. Yeah, definitely. So we've got one layer that's the music, one layer that's the prompt that's providing the visual. Is the prompt always like a moving video or is it ever a still image? So the prompt generates image after image after image, basically. Oh. You can imagine a, a, a loop of uh, text to image and then image to image to image to image to image to image. This is how this technology uh -huh. works, basically. Sure. Okay. So it's a bunch of images that appear like it's moving because, yeah, it looks like a video here. And then these other layers are ways to direct the video to match with the music so that you can yeah. move the images and you can manipulate the prompt images in a way and make it bump to the music, make it zoom to the music, make it move to the music, right? Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. We're trying to target musicians with this. And so in the music production software, you oftentimes have these layers where certain waveforms modulate some other aspects of the audio creation, right? This is actually in, in music production pretty common. And so we are trying to emulate this here. So you have a certain layer of the song that affects other aspects of the video creation. Yeah. Other layers that I'm not seeing here? No, that's it. Okay, that's it. great. So it's yeah. basically three different layers. So you got the music, you've got prompt that provides the moving visuals, and then you've got direction layers that you can stack these direction layers on them on top of each other. Yeah, exactly. At first, I didn't have that, but then people asked for it. And now people make like eight different modulations on top of each other, depending on different things. They, they Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Cool. And what is this button, Pimp My Prompt? <laughs> so, you know, in, in AI prompting, to create these images really at the heart is the prompt, right? You know it from ChatGPT. You got to have to the right prompt to get, get the AI doing what you want. So we basically have another little AI assistant, a small one, where you can send this prompt and then it will um, try to improve it for you in case you missed something also. And maybe I can test it. it. It doesn't always work, but sometimes it does cool stuff. And now it added something, okay? Right, so it tries to prove this to be better as an AI and as the image generation input. Cool. And then the yeah. exporting process, it's similar to Premiere or something? Yeah, I mean, you exactly. And, and you get up to 4K videos. And what's also special is that basically you can click on render and see the frames coming in one after the other and you can interrupt at any time and change some things. So it's not like you need to prepare everything once and then click on render and then hope for the best, but can also steer the AI. Because with this video generation, and I encourage you to try it out, the AI does like you have something maybe in mind, but then the AI does something a little bit different. And uh, sometimes this is cool, sometimes it's bad, sometimes this uh, brings you to newer ideas, right? So you can interrupt this process and, ah, now there's cool cave coming up on the left side, so let me steer the camera there. And like it's a, it's a really new way of, of generating uh, videos and visual content. We're trying to build an interface for that. It's complex because like nobody has ever done this kind of stuff. Like this doesn't exist yet, you know? It's a completely new type of art form in a sense. Definitely is. And the use case and the value proposition is so clear in my head for creators that don't have the budget or the time to produce their own music video that would require a lot of expensive equipment and getting other people involved and, you know, the direction of it all and you can do it all from your computer to get a cool visual out there a very unique one of its kind visual out there using ai in your software i wonder like so right now i'm looking at this cool squirrel again and he's holding some sort of spear or this little spear and there's a pink clock behind him is there a way to edit like specific parts of the image like if you wanted that pink clock to be a different color or to change the object in the squirrel's hand the only way to do this at the moment is with now 
prompting. So you could edit the prompt that we have there to say blue clock in the background and then hope for the best somehow. But yeah, you lose a little yeah. bit of control, basically. Can you cut that prompt that you have and split it in two and then change the prompt of the second clip that you just cut? Sure, yeah. sure. So you can make the shorter and then add a new one here, right? You could try to change the color, right? Cool. Yeah. How long does it take to generate those images? As this is Juggernaut XA, this is the biggest one we have. This is relatively slow. It generates maybe a frame a second, something like that. We have faster ones where you can generate like a, a second of video material in a minute or so. It depends also on, it depends on these type of parameters. So for instance, there's parameters here that make it faster or slower or so. So it depends on lots of things. And average is about one frame per second, I would say. And then one frame is basically one second of video material is uh, 25 frames. So yeah, it takes a while. So for yeah. somebody trying to make like a minute of prompting, how long would that take to render? We can do a test. Let's say, what do we want to see? Something like... Uh, I like that uh, it just fills in a prompt for you. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we could go with this one. So I do want to, you know, get the details on the pricing that you have right now. How much does it cost for users? So we have different pricing plans, of course, and they range between $19 and $99 per month. And and they differ in how much you can render and, and how many AI models basically you can access. The question that I'm always confused by is like, how much is all the rendering and GPU costing you? Or like, cause it's all based on like how much the users are using, right? And that's why you have these different scales. What's the biggest like pain point from what you're doing to make this all happen? Yeah, right. I'm glad to bring this up because sometimes people forget the hardware is actually, it's costly. And there's also a GPU shortage in the world where, I mean, Sometimes it's not so easy to get access to GPUs. So, I mean, the margins on this is are not like they are for, let's say, a, a to-do list app, something like this. So there's quite substantial costs involved. And then a lot of work also goes in optimizing the cloud infrastructure in our case. So as, as we are hosting the, the servers ourselves, a lot of work goes into optimizing that. And then, but also you need GPUs available at all times for users that might come in. So you also need to do some planning, right? Then also needs to run some predictive scaling of, okay, now it's daytime in the US, lots of customers come in or, or nighttime in the US, there's not so much going on. So you need to like, um, scale the GPUs automatically. And so, yeah, there's a lot of engineering that goes into that. For newer frames, of course, we're not that big yet, but like for, for ChatGPT or something, it's crazy how much work must go into that. Yeah. And just the energy consumption, the cost of computing all of these AI prompts and everything that it's like a profitable entity or it's trying to be a profitable thing. And just like the sustainability of it in the long term, because it's like people are getting so much value out of it, but like the companies need to make money too. I mean, the value is obviously there for the user and then just making sure that the, the businesses can be successful successful too. And it's like a win-win, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of work these days is put into making AI models also more efficient on, on smaller hardware. I think this will actually be one of the next big steps in AI development is actually maybe the models don't I mean, maybe we reached a certain level where the models now don't make one breakthrough every month anymore, right? Maybe we reached a certain plateau of the top tier levels, at least for a while. But maybe now the development goes into, okay, how, how do we bring this technology on the phone or, or something like that, right? So at the moment, we still need heavy hardware for it, but I'm assuming that there are ways, and actually you see this in stable diffusion already, that there are ways to, to get this much faster 
and also with less straining hardware. This is going to be very exciting because if we wouldn't need to host this as an infrastructure, this would open up a whole new class of opportunities somehow and use cases also. Speaking of use cases, I bet one of the most exciting things for you as a founder and builder of this product is to see what the users are creating <laughs> with the thing you created and how it's kind of this open box and it's only limited by people's imaginations. So what have been the coolest things that have surprised you that your users have made? Yeah. Yeah, such a nice uh, question also. I mean, in the beginning, when I built Neuroframes, I committed one capital mistake where every startup advisor tells you, you should not do the following. You should not start from the technology. You should always start from a problem. Okay. And uh, I was actually the opposite because I played around with this technology and I found it cool. And I thought, wow, people need to use this somehow. And so I built the pr product without a clear use case in mind. So the whole music niche focus came later, actually. So in the beginning, I was just, okay, this is text to video, have fun. And then, especially in the beginning, there were all kinds of crazy use cases. There were people who wanted to visualize their dreams. There were people that wanted to have quick animation for the website. There were music video people, of course. There were people who wanted to animate children's stories. Also for app development, there were some animations. So especially in the beginning, it was very broad. And now with the focus on music videos, it has mostly something to do with music. But also what surprised me is there's some people that make really 17 minute videos with this. And it's not only music videos, it's like short stories. They put voice on top and then they have like these almost stop motion videos or something coming out of it. I absolutely did not expect that. So they have huge projects. 17 minutes video, you watch it, you know, you, you've seen the video, so it's a bit trippy animations. It's not like you have one fluid motion. So I really didn't expect this use case somehow to happen, but that works as well. And I'm, I'm really grateful that people actually value the amount of control they get in newer frames and use this to create these videos. Yeah, what a melange of use cases. And where are the users, what are they doing for distribution? I mean, so you're, they're producing really cool content on your platform. How are they distributing it? I know that you are partnered with the AI music and video show that Tony and Laura are running. And I had the chance to tune in on last Friday's episode and, you know, see some cool music videos made with your product. And yeah, if you could kind of speak to the distribution of it, because as a video creator myself producing cool content but then the whole post-production is its own you know thing and then the distribution is its own monster too yeah so i would broadly separate our users into two groups so one is really musicians they have a clear problem they want uh, they have a song and they want uh, to distribute this on social media with a cool video so they make a video and then post it on social media right there it's kind of straightforward i would say mm -hmm. and then social media means uh YouTube, but can also be like YouTube Shorts or, or TikTok and these type of things, right? And Twitter um, and you know, right, LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. For musicians, it's mostly these other like visual um, uh, social yeah, media sure. platforms, I would say. But then there's a new class of people that it's really interesting, actually. There's a new class of people emerging that just love this to play around with this technology. They're not necessarily musicians, but you know, it's so much fun to create videos. It's very creative. It's a new art form. Really. They just create these videos for fun. I have some users who pay the $99 subscription since 10 months and they're still the most active ones. They're obsessed with it. They create videos nonstop, right? And these type of people, I find it's very interesting because they do it for fun. But then now they come to a point where people reach out to them, like musicians reach out to them. Hey, I saw your stuff online. Can you make a music video for me? Right. And now they can make money with, with actually making music videos because it's a new scale. It's new types of videos and, and they, these are the masters of it. So I reckon there's going to be a new, I don't know if this is a new job, but like a new profession. So 
Yeah, a new profession, a new niche economy. That's kind of all this new technology. You know, you worry about jobs being lost, and but there are going to be a lot of jobs that are created too. And you know, what I like to say, like five years ago, you would have never thought that somebody was making a living cutting up clips of podcasts before, and now right. that's what I do for a living: is I cut up right. clips of podcasts and distribute them across social media platforms. And that's so cool. You know. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. At the moment, I don't see this at all. This jobless. Do you see it? I the moment there's more and more demand for people yeah so it's just like transition you know there are segments that are gonna have less demand yeah i saw it on the all-in podcast tamath palahabatia talking about like the number of searches for freelancers on like upwork or freelancer.com like have declined since chat gpt was released and there's not as much a lot of these tasks that you would need somebody kind of specializing before you wouldn't have the time yourself to do are being streamlined because you can just figure it out with chat gpt or you know you can use these AI assistants to streamline uh, your processes in your in your online business or wherever. So it's like this kind of like shifting of demand I see. Um, and you know with the music video industry, you know it's like hey, you know all these people that would have been like the sound crew or video crew to produce a music video for a week project, you know a lot of preparation and then like a heavy day of recording and stuff. It's like they might not have as much demand because you know you can hire somebody that's pro at your software to make a cool AI video for them. So, you know, it's shifting things. Where is this going? So like right now, it looks like it's AI. I mean, it looks really cool and it's like trippy and, you know, it's captivating in a way, but like, where is this going? Like AI is changing so fast. It's improving so fast. Like Juggernaut, you talk about like, you know, Juggernaut being the newest thing and it can do really cool things. Is this going to be continual upgrades like that? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I think there's going to be upgrades in in speed and fidelity. I mean, we have, of course, a backlog of features ideas. There's a lot of movement in AI video creation. I mean, there's a lot of money going into the real video creation, of course, like with Runray and Pika and and these types of players. I think this will also cause a significant disruption when you create like photorealistic or in any style you want, literally. videos yourself and then not only animations in that sense but but videos for neural frames as we are bootstrapped company and i kind of leave this to them like this stuff and i find this our bet at the moment is that these type of trippy animations they will also have their place in a couple of years because it's it's really cool what you can do and it's a certain style like it's not for every use case by far but like there's going to be a place also for that i think in a few years so we are trying to nail this use case as much as possible and make this as smooth as possible offer lots of options for the users to create these videos. I mean, with video, there's really a lot of use cases and I think there's a lot of disruptions about to happen. To be honest, yeah, in the short form video, you know, has taken over s- social media, and video is better than a still image. And the ways that you can think of how to present something, how to try to catch somebody's attention, how to try to sell somebody a product or an idea, is just the ways you can do that now with AI and these tools have just multiplied. And it's just kind of waiting for the creators to come up with the way to make it and present it, and then for the consumers to you know, start getting little tastes of. It when they see it and then it's like, oh, it's a, this weird thing at first, then you see it more and more often and it gets better and better. And so hyped on AI is that the value of it is so clear and like evident as you you know talk to ChatGPT, you, you ask a prompt to, to make you some visual or video and it does it. And it's just technology is just getting going and just seeing the advancement.
since over the last year. And, you know, it's something that you should be paying attention to. <laughs> or you don't necessarily should be paying it, but it's like it's happening and you can either pay attention to it or not. And, you know, if you like it, you should pay attention to it because you're going to be better prepared for the future. You can future proof your career and whatever you're doing by trying to implement and learn from AI, I think. so. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of aspects to it, right? I mean, to generate these video clips, also that that doesn't fall from the sky. I mean, it's also tricky to great to generate great video clips. The people who do this since since months and they're very good with this, but when I try to do it on, on one of these platforms, then it looks it looks horrible, right? So this will also be made by people who master this technology, I think. Same with neural frames. Like your first attempt might not look so great on the platform, but then there's people doing it since 10 months and they just know exactly what they're doing and what impact this will have in the video generation. What I'm excited about also is I think also something that's been discussed on the All-In podcast quite a bit is like the user generated content almost like so videos that are tailor made for you as the observer right i mean this will also come and at a certain point we still, we still take some years i think but it's also something wow i mean this would change a lot yeah definitely um no i think friedberg is dead on about the creator economy and how everybody's a brand basically and everything's getting like brands are able to sell more than traditional social media celebrities and these new podcasters and stuff they're gonna be able to sell more than traditional brands that don't have a face and a heart Mm -hmm. and a community following them and then at the same time like the social media environment it's so democratizing because like anybody can kind of put their face out there and start talking about what they're interested in and start trying to teach people or throw their opinions out there and just build a name for themselves, build a brand for themselves and throw in too. So yeah, I just see social media as this virtual economy. I mean, you talk about Mm sci-fi or whatever and there's the physical world economy then there's this like virtual world economy and it already exists. It's social media and everything's being marketing, sales. Everything's so dependent on social media to get in front of potential buyers and potential customers and you know, it takes a thing where it's like you're. I'm looking at my phone like more than eight hours a day. I'm making posts, making videos, writing copy and stuff. But it pays the bills and it's in high demand. I think if you can do it well, Stable Diffusion is that a core part of your platform? And where is Stable Diffusion? Like stability that the CEO is kind of an eccentric dude. I uh, saw an interview with him on uh, Harry Stebbins and he's very confident. And where do you see the, the company and where do you th- see it going? First of all, I think mankind, or I mean, me above all, but then also mankind can be very thankful for stability AI that they just, I mean, they trained these models with lots of money. I mean, you need a lot of money to train these models and they just publish them open source. Everybody can do with it what they want. That's incredible. This should be definitely appreciated by people. I think it is, but like one cannot stress this enough. Yeah, it's incredible that this is just open source available. Midjourney doesn't do that. And I get why. I mean, <laughs> people will build products on top of that there's potentially being then competitors but stability i just push it out but on the same time i also don't really know how they make money (laughs) stability i so i don't know where the company is going to be honest it's great though i mean they're pushing the limits of accessible ai and that's awesome i think this is really also a core part of this whole develop ai development is the whole open source community in general. If you spend a bit of time developing, it's really incredible. Like you can only be humble. There's for every problem that you're trying to solve, there's an open source li- put- uh, library that you can use, you know? And this is just people, an open source library is also just people building it for nothing in a lot of cases, you know, just for fun. And this fuels, I mean, I could have never built Neuroframes without the, all of these open source libraries. Stable Diffusion is one of them, but there's probably dozens I'm using, you know? 
So that's really impressive, I think. Yeah, definitely. You know, the online community and the community around these different technologies and the open source community. And it's kind of what we're trying to bridge with the Imagine AI Live Conference is like a physical in real life gathering of AI enthusiasts, builders and creators, and then inviting the business world to come and learn from them and learn how to use these tools in your business to streamline things and compete. How they say your job's not going to be replaced by AI, but you're going to be replaced by somebody that's using AI. It's the same for businesses. Like businesses that use AI will replace those businesses that aren't using AI just because they're going to be able to be so much more competitive and efficient and get so much more productive. And they'll have a competitive advantage against, you know, somebody in the same industry that's not using AI. And it's the trend. It's the way things are going. It's, you know, it's it's right there on the wall and you can choose to ignore it and say it's not going to happen or I don't believe in the technology or... It's just fighting against the current and you're going to be swept out to sea if you don't get with the times, I think. And that's a general theme of Imagine AI. We're trying to just have this in real life community of uh, enthusiasts and creators and get the business world involved as well. So I think it's really great that you guys are doing that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's um, the first of its kind and we're almost at 200 applicants, 200 entries. So our low goal is 300. So we're almost there. We're still 60 days to go. So. Lots of creators coming. Yeah, Linus, Ekenstam, Ole, Rowan Chung has been a huge like partner of ours, and we're hoping that he can come too. Like our speaker lineup is huge, and it's filling up fast. It's going to be a good time. And for me here in South Korea, I'm looking forward to go to Las Vegas for a week and meet with cool people. So you're based in South Korea. Yeah, my wife's South Korean, and I came here in 2015 teaching English. Oh, really? I met my wife two years into that. We actually went to China together in 2019. I was teaching English then too. But then the pandemic happened and we were like, uh, we, we got out of there like two days after it kind of got real there. And the rest of the world was like, ah, oh, what's happening over there? Came back to America. We were just like freaked out. Like, oh my God, like we saw how things changed so quickly there. And it's like, it's going to be here too. Why? What's everyone's like, just pretending like it's not right. going to happen. And then it was like five days later, like March 16th that, yeah, the, the whole lockdowns happened and everything. And, and yeah, we were basically kind of stuck in America and I started listening to podcasts a lot more and, and saw how popular TikTok was in China and saw that this kind of long form content, more educational content wasn't being repurposed and there wasn't like, it, this could do well on TikTok and just was one of the early people to kind of adapt the strategy and, you know, worked really well for the All In Pod and got on their radar and, you know, we've worked Worked together in, in different ways, but it's totally an unofficial account. Like they're not green lighting any of these videos we're making for them. It's a lot of fun. And then it's kind of like a lead generator for us where we can get other clients because we can show them what we can do. So that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I wish we could do more on TikTok. I mean, it's a lot of work. Yeah, especially for this distribution of it, you need the humans, you know, it's like you need the people that are going to be there thinking about it, how to present it. it takes time, it takes some thought, you know, it doesn't take too much time. You know, you should be able to get a full time person should be able to get two or three clips out depending depending what the original content is. I really think original content's like the new gold of the attention economy. And that's what's great about podcasting, because, you know, right now we're creating this original content and it's going to be cut down to whatever for the full episode. But then just different permutations of lengths of potentially interesting clips and stories what's been the hardest part of the last year for you ah there's so many challenges i mean i never did this before building a company your first time founder yeah yeah first time founder i'm also not from the business world i come from academia you know i I published papers before it's a different beast now trying to make money with this but having customers and stuff like that 
I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. I found what I want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. But every step I do is new for me. Some decisions I make because I think probably bad idea, but I want to see what happens because like I need to experiment because every failed step is kind of a, is, is a learning for me. The technical aspect of it was hard, although I enjoyed it a lot. Now I'm in another stage, which is also very difficult or challenging is building a company now. So hiring people, trying to put together a team, right? That likes each other and is productive together. Also giving my tasks away is, is honestly, is also not easy somehow, right? Because in the beginning, maybe somebody is a bit slower than you, but in the end, they will be much better than you could ever be somehow. So this is kind of my topic at the moment, let's say, yeah trying to make this a proper company. I'm very thankful for the team we already are, but we're hiring more. And so there's this continuous challenge of, of trying to find the right people for the right jobs. Yeah, that's um, definitely how I feel with the media agency that we're running and what we're doing. And it always feels like there's something more you can do, right? I mean, there's not enough hours in the day to, yeah. to do everything. There's always more you could be doing. But at the same time, you have to find some balance where you know, you're getting enough sleep and you're staying healthy so that you can be the most productive you can be. And you said you have a girlfriend. Yeah. How's the balance? Like you work weekends and stuff? She's great. She's super, super supportive. I mean, helps also wherever she can mm. but what you're saying is exactly right so i also need to cave out time to to some other things than than your reference yeah it can just like you said it's kind of it turns into obsession and it can just be all consuming and <laughs> it's not good and you, you know can't get burnt out and stuff and got it it's the long game it's like this 10 year plus thing you know or eventually until you know you either have an exit which can be a merger and acquisition like somebody else buys you or you ipo or you know or it's just a bootstrapped company that makes profit you know and provides for you your family and your team let's see where it's going i mean at the moment the plus part of building a team is one thing is of course you hire people that are better in the job than you are uh, the other side is i can also maybe take a bit of time off because i had no i have people to take care of stuff right this was already a huge benefit with the customer support with the first hire that's like okay this support request coming in not my business anymore. So that's really great about it. Yeah, the delegation of the task can be hard to like to relinquish some of the things that you're so used to doing and you're you do right and you yeah. know, you, it's up to your standards. And then the training, the onboarding can be a you know month long plus process. And you have to have faith in the person you're hiring. You have to make the right hire too, and like make sure you're doing the interview process right. And yeah, and so this is like by the Harry Stebbings. I have listened to over 300 episodes of 20 VC and Harry Stebbings and the just startup like founder talk. And I've definitely got the bug and I. I can tell you've got the bug. Nico, it was amazing talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about the uh, extremely cool project that you're building and that 10,000 people are using every week. So it's uh, very cool to see. And I look forward to seeing more of these awesome music videos being, being out there in the world. Awesome, Chris. Thanks a lot. Thank you.